<laughs> so, Ignatius, I, I don't know about you, but I, I just, I sort of enjoy these icons. Um, some of them are, I think, are fairly old. I just Googled them, so I, I don't know. This one's probably, a, it's in English, so it's probably fairly new. Jeff, you're here. Tell me what's the matter with Ignatius's forehead. I Googled it, but I found nothing about lumps on his forehead. Oh, that's dermatology. Theology, <laughs> <laughs> dermatology. But we can cut it out if you want. <laughs> so we'll come back to this in a minute. Um, doing the background for Ignatius is rather easy because there's not a lot known. Uh, about Ignatius. He, his writings were well respected and, and are quoted and copied and show up in Eusebius and everybody after that, but um, there, there's not a, there's just not a whole lot known. He, he was, uh, by tradition, the second bishop of Antioch. Um, I, and I've got a map in just a minute. We'll remind ourselves where Antioch is. Um, and I, the name of the first bishop of Antioch did not ring a bell, so I, I, I've forgotten it. Um, he was arrested and was sent to Rome for trial. Um, we, we don't know the details of why he was arrested. Obviously, it was connected to being a Christian and being a martyr and... and something. Um, one of the traditions is that it was during the, the very late portion of the reign of Trajan, and on our chart up here, Trajan goes to 117, so his um, journey to Rome is dated at about 115. There's another source, though, I was trying to figure out how old, he was a fairly old gentleman at that point. Um, the other source said he was born in the 30s and died in 108. So obviously if he died in 108, <clears throat> he wasn't martyred in 115. But you know, that's sort of dating for those things, you know, plus or minus 10 or plus or minus 20. Um, interesting thing that um, may come up next well, week in Romans. Yeah. He actually, and I didn't realize this till I read it this week, is the first Christian writer to use the term Catholic Church. And depending upon, as you can imagine, who you're reading and what their background is, they might capitalize both C's and say that Ignatius was mentioning the Catholic Church. Um, I, I chose not to, so I mean, you know what my background is. Um, during this trip to Rome, when he was arrested and taken with a group of soldiers to Rome, he wrote seven letters. We're going to look at the, actually the longest one today, which was his letter to the church in Ephesus. And so these seven letters give us a picture during a very limited time period, a few weeks maybe, or a, at most a few months during this year 115. So 
actually what happened in Rome. There's no good recording of it. There are a lot of traditions from a uh, number of years later. Uh, it, it is, as we saw in, in these icons, uh, the tradition is that he was put into the arena and killed by, by animals. And, and you'll note this icon has lions sort of symbolic for Ignatius there, and this one has great graphic details. Um, all seven of the letters share a lot of themes. Um, there was certainly, uh, he thought, a need to teach against a number of false teachers, as Jerry may talk next week. There were different teachings, apparently, that were problem, problematic in different churches. Um, he does talk a bit about the unity and structure of the church, and uh, we probably will talk about that a little bit today, about structure. And he talks about his death and his, not his acceptance of martyrdom, but his, really, his desire for martyrdom and his uh, encouragement to these churches to not get in the way, to not prevent, not try to appeal his sentence or whatever it was. So uh, interesting in, in that respect. So that's a map I used a few weeks ago. So Antioch is up here in the corner, and we're heading to Rome. And it, it's likely that they went over land rather than by the sea. So, so we've got a trip through Asia Minor and somehow across Greece and then across the Adriatic into, into Italy. Um, just to give us a bit of a picture, and I, I didn't realize <coughs> until I put it up here on the screen that... Um, I must have picked up a very inexpensive copy of this map, so it's kind of pixelated. But um, he's arrested in Antioch, where he's a, a bishop, and uh, with a group of Roman soldiers, uh, I think at one point he talks about being handcuffed or being chained or whatever, so he was attached to these soldiers, and they traveled across land through through Asia, and um, because of knowing the, the roads, the Roman roads, uh, when they got to Laodicea, the group had to make a choice. There was a, a fork in the road, and apparently they chose the northern route to go from Laodicea to, uh, to Smyrna. They're, they're from contents in the letters. Apparently, after they left Laodicea, they stopped in Philadelphia, and then they they made a stop in in Smyrna. While they were in Smyrna, uh, Ignatius got to visit with Polycarp, who was the 
the Bishop of Smyrna, and remember we mentioned a long time ago, Polycarp uh, tradition is that he was a disciple of John, the Apostle John. So, uh, and while there in Smyrna, he was greeted by delegates from Ephesus, Magnesia, and Trolls. Uh, so those are cities that would have been on the southern route to Smyrna. So by, by choosing the northern route, he missed those cities, missed seeing those churches, but they apparently wanted to see him. So delegates from all three of them made their way to Smyrna and visited with him while he was there. <coughs> and while he's there in Smyrna, having not visited those churches but met the people from them, he writes letters to Ephesus, Magnesia, Trolls, and to Rome. So these four of the seven letters have in common that he had not visited those churches. He had met some delegates, some people, as we'll see today, but uh, he was writing to churches that he had, had not visited. <clears throat> they go on from Smyrna to, to Troas, make a, make a stop there, and while he's in Troas, he writes a letter to Philadelphia that he had visited um, on the trip, and a letter back to Smyrna, to the church there that he obviously had visited, had spent some time. And he also writes a, a personal letter to, to Polycarp. Um, so these seven have a, have a long history. They're, they were collected. Uh, the Roman letter in history got separated a little bit and has a bit of a different history, but they were collected, translated into Latin, translated into Syriac, uh, and show up in a, in a number of, of collections. Leland, if everyone will notice, we've talked about the official list of apostolic <coughs> fathers. Uh, early Christian writers and fathers are broader than this, but you'll see the seven letters that he wrote to these churches that Leland's just outlined, as well as the letter that he wrote to Polycarp, who was the bishop in Smyrna. Those seven comprise a, a major portion of the official list of apostolic fathers. So from from Troas, we, we know that his next stop, well, was Neapolis. Neapolis is just the port city for, uh, for Philippi. So they went from there to Philippi. We don't have any details of the travels after that. It, he made it to Rome. Tradition says that he was martyred in Rome. Uh, but, but we don't have any details of, of how they went uh, from Philippi on to, on to Rome. Yeah. So I may have just zoned out, but so he's under guard that whole time, right? 
He's, Apparently, that's, yeah. That's there was interesting a, that he's receiving, you know, guests and sending letters, and so he was obviously, is that correct? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's one, I, I didn't pick it out, but there's one place, so I think, where he refers to being chained to them, or, you know, un, with his handcuffs or something. So, yeah, they, they were apparently cooperative in letting him stop, visit with the churches, and he had time to write letters, and people took care of him. <coughs> okay, good. I'm, I'm talking fast enough. Um, we'll have some time. I would like to talk a, a little bit about the text and, and just pick out a couple of things that I found interesting, and then I, I'm going to open it up and, and try to allow more discussion this week than I did five minutes after the class was over um, two weeks ago. This is the opening paragraph, um, and you know, just what three sentences. Uh, or four sentences, so let me just read. Heartiest greetings of pure joy in Jesus Christ from Ignatius, the God-inspired, to the church at Ephesus in Asia. Out of the fullness of God the Father, you have been blessed with large numbers and are predestined from eternity to enjoy forever continual and unfading glory. The source of your unity and election is genuine suffering which you undergo by the will of the Father and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Hence, you deserve to be considered happy. Um, I actually wrote up on the board the, the word that's in quotations there, which Richardson translated God-inspired, uh, is this word Theophorus. Um, as far as I could find, it's actually not a New Testament word. Uh, it's, it's not used in the New Testament. Um, let's see if I can... I, when I put this up on the screen this morning and looked, it's, it's actually, this is it right here. So this is Ignatius the... Theophorus. There's all kinds of ideas as to whether this was a nickname, whether people called him Theophorus, or whether it was a descriptive term. Uh, it means something like God bearer, um, God, well, the, the Richardson translates it inspired. Um, it could have been maybe full of God, something like that. But uh, an, an interesting term that he uses for himself in his letter, part of his salutation. Josh, what is that for us? What's that? Yeah, what is that? It, if it's from like the <coughs> noun, it can mean like tax or tribute in the New Testament, or yeah. from phoreo, the verb can mean to wear. So if it's 
To me, sounds a lot like God bearer. I I looked, and it's it doesn't use the same word. Doesn't use for us, but um, he's using a, a a metaphor of a a religious procession and carrying objects, carrying in this case rather than carrying some sort of temple. Paraphernalia. Uh, he says they are carrying God. They are bearing God. <clears throat> so he's he's talking to the church in Ephesus. Uh, apparently, they were doing quite well in numbers. They had been blessed with numbers. And to me, it was interesting that he attributes their unity and election to genuine suffering. So they had been undergoing some sort of persecution. And the last sentence, I think Ignatius is connecting suffering and you deserve to be considered happy. So, you know, I think somewhere we've talked about it before, I don't know, that, that they um, should consider their selection or their election for suffering to be a, to be a blessing for them to be something that would um, make them happy. It's probably true through history that churches under active persecution rarely have splits. Mm -hmm. okay. So, to, to me, it was it, just interesting I, I, that um, that that's the, the way he would start out and, and uh, describe the, uh, the group to whom he's sending this letter. He then follows on in the, in the next two, it's hard for me to call these chapters. I mean, 
This is the longest letter from Ignatius, and I, I didn't actually check pages or whatever, but it's probably half the size of the letter that we call the, the epistle to the Colossians, for example. So the, these are, are rather convenient to read. There's an interesting name that comes up if, if you've read this. I, he talks about the visitors that he had there in Smyrna. I gave a godly welcome to your church, which has so endeared itself to us by reason of your upright nature, marked as it is by faith in Jesus Christ our Savior and by love of him. You are imitators of God, and it was God's blood that stirred you up once more to do the sort of thing you do naturally and have now done to perfection. For you were all zeal to visit me when you heard that I was being shipped as a prisoner from Syria for the sake of our common name and hope. I hope indeed by your prayers to have the good fortune to fight with wild beasts in Rome so that by doing this, I can be a real disciple. In God's name, therefore, I received your large congregation in the person of Onesimus, your bishop in this world, a man whose love is beyond words. My prayer is that you should love him in the spirit of Jesus Christ and all be like him. Blessed is he who let you have such a bishop. You deserve it. So he, he's just extremely complimentary of the faith of Onesimus and also the, the faith of this church. Um, there is thoughts, guesses, uh, analysis, you know, from 1800 years, I guess, or 1900 years, about this fellow Onesimus. Uh, people have done the arithmetic and if uh, Paul had met a very young man who was a teenager perhaps and sent him back to Philemon that by the time we get here he could have been a very elderly bishop and and have been in Ephesus but the, there, there's no there is no evidence there's, there's people's guesses over the years. And apparently Onesimus, which is a Greek word that means useful, was a very common name. It's found in all kinds of business documents and, and things throughout that region. So, uh, you know, he was named Peter, or, well, uh, some very common name. And, and, <coughs> Not, it's not necessarily the same person. But he comes to visit, and we said we would at least mention structure of the church. Later on, as you may have seen, Ignatius refers to the presbyters, the elders, plural, and the deacons in the Ephesus church, and the one bishop. So apparently by this time 
on a local congregational basis, there was a structure of a, a bishop who was the leader and elders and deacons who, I guess you would say, were under the authority of the bishop, we reported to the bishop, perhaps if you use a more business-like structure. Um, so we're in early part of the second century, and at least in this area of Asia Minor, that's apparently the, the structure of the church. So yeah. regard, so, uh, and I got fixated on this a few weeks ago, Regardless of who reported to who, uh, we seem to have distinct roles between the bishop and the presbyters. Is that right? Certainly distinct titles. I, I, I don't know at this point that I could start counting on my fingers d different <coughs> roles. Uh, you know, they, they talk about... Um, listening to him, his teaching, and that sort of thing, and the guidance of the elders as well. The, the deacons, I think, are clear. The, the word and the office was a serving role. But. Do we have any clues as to how he became the bishop? What was the process? Uh, yeah, we we yeah. don't have any clues here, and again, this becomes a a a subject of church tradition, and and in order to establish, I, I guess I would say, in order to establish a line of succession that <coughs> could be pointed to from three, four, five hundred years later to be able to look back and have a continuous line. There's all sorts of things that are done with, uh, with, the, with the history. I mean, they're, they're, they're um, in Ephesus, the tradition is that he succeeded the first bishop, who was <coughs> Timothy. And, and that <coughs> Timothy ordained him as, as bishop to follow him or something. Uh, I, think I'm, I think my memory's better there. Yeah. Um, I have a different sort of take on, or what, what, what is maybe troubling about <coughs> Ignatius and a lot of these writings. <coughs> the idea of martyrdom, you know, going to fight with wild beasts completely foreign to our Christian experience. I mean, I can't say I know any martyrs. I don't know anybody in modern times that I've ever met that I would consider a, quote, martyr in the same sense that these are. I mean, you might say, well, that was a very, you know, faithful person that passed away. And I mean, yes, yeah. there are those. But the, the notion that he says that by going to Rome to fight with wild beasts, that by doing this, I can be a real disciple. I mean, yeah, there's, I, I, there's a sense in the writing that martyrdom is like a heat, or maybe not martyrdom, but certainly suffering, maybe to martyrdom, is like 
a key component to Christ following. And it's a wildly foreign idea to American Christians who are used to, we have the Bill of Rights and we have this, and I have the right to my free speech and my guns and my things. I mean, this is a completely different way of thinking. Yeah. And I just wonder if, if we've spent any time, I mean, I haven't and I need to, spending more time thinking about what does this mean in modern times for us. I mean, how commit, if somebody walked in here today and was like, who's a believer in Jesus? I mean, how many of us would fold like easy? I mean, just like that. If our true, we were truly faced with this kind of threat. And I mean, to me, that's like, not that I'm diminishing the importance of like bishops and church structure, but honestly, Getting eaten by a lion is a little different to me. I mean, it's just like, okay, these guys were willing to do that. That's crazy. And I think it's in the letter to the church in Rome, which again was written from Smyrna, so it was going ahead to a, to a church that he was going to be there in a few weeks or whatever. I mean, he essentially tells them, don't get in my way. Don't try to stop this. And a couple of times he does say in here to emphasize the importance of this in a couple of letters I don't want to just be called a Christian I want to be a Christian and for him martyrdom was what stamped him to be a Christian and again he's probably 70-ish so uh, just to piggyback on what, what Jason said um, I don't know that this individual is a member but I know he's a regular attender his name is Thorwald Abrahim he's a Coptic Christian from Egypt uh, he came over um, through some work done by Dick Coward and his family uh, probably the closest thing we have in Abu Ghraib. His family persecuted as a Coptic Christian. Some murdered by ISIS for a season. But that's probably the closest thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and boy, when he's here, he, you can just see the joy on his face. It's just, it's just so different mm -hmm. in our culture and context. But that's a great point, Jason. But if you want to to seek out someone yeah. who is whose family has lived that story, yeah. the Star Watts family. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brad. Um, <clears throat> in this second paragraph, talking about visitors, he talks about the other people that that came along. Um, Burrus was a deacon, and then uh, Crocus. Interesting. I, I guess, I mean, I knew what the spring flower looks like, but I, I didn't know that was a name. Um, was also along with them and, and a couple of other people. Euplus and Fronto. Sounds like hobbits to me. But, um, <clears throat> but um, <clears throat> he was, was quite appreciative of their visit. And then here's this line. Thus, united in your submission and subject to the bishop and the presbytery, you will be real saints. Uh, 
and well, we're just about out of time. And this was number one paragraph out of five that I had sort of checked off to talk about. Um, you've got yours open. What's <coughs> real? Um, he just says that you may be, it's just the word sanctified. Uh, oh, it's Akeha. Yeah, so it's not a, there's no real, um, according to, in every way, so there's katapanta, so in no. all ways he might be a saint. Huh. I, I mean, some of it, I, in reading through here, I think I like Holmes better translation-wise, but Richardson was a very inexpensive book, so it makes up for <laughs> Other, uh, we can take, you know, two or three more minutes probably. Uh, other paragraphs or uh, items? I was yeah. just thinking about the church structure in the first century. I think it's hard for us not to hear it and think of the Catholic church structure that comes much later, that's much more rigid and uh, this has a more top-down kind of feel. Whereas I, I hear his focus on this to be something more like preserving what's been passed down. Mm -hmm. So especially, you know, what is this? 80 years after Christ, and there's no bound New Testament, you know, the Gospels are just being getting to be circulated, it's helpful to have someone who can say, yeah, I was trained by Paul. I can trace this back to John. Because there, that's the, that's your um, accountability, yeah. is in these individuals, not, there's no Bible right. for accountability. So I, I'm grateful for this, even though there's a part of me now that it still kind of hurts me to submission to the bishop. And what you said, though, and uh, maybe I should just say this clearly, if you read comments by people, if you read two or three or four different people, you will very quickly begin to recognize their personal background. Because there are people who look at Ignatius' letters and say, oh, it's really clear Ignatius was uh, passing along the beginnings of a bishop. He, in one letter, he calls himself the bishop of Syria. And some people translate it the bishop from Syria. Other people will say, no, he's saying he was the bishop in Syria and that he probably reported to the bishop in Rome. And, you know, so it, it Depends what color your glasses are sometimes. So, in the 12 years of Catholic school, St. Ignatius was the founder of Catholic.com. Uh, he was revered as such and such. We have St. Ignatius in Antioch at the church that was named as such, and he was revered as the founder of Catholic.com. And he was also, it was interesting too, when you look at the martyrs, they were the first saints to be revered because that's where we got our holy days. Revere of saints, which morphed into much more. They were the martyrs. I was driving near our house, a couple miles away from our house, two weeks ago, and found I didn't know it was there. The Saint Ignatius Antiochian Orthodox Church. Yep. Very, very large congregation, big 
big sanctuary down off of Paytonsville Road. Um, Jerry has handouts for next week. And I'll also send out an email. And I'm going to probably send copies for all of the other letters. We will look at them, though the emphasis next week will be on his letter to Rome. I have a study guide that lists several of the questions that I hope will uh, surface some of the uh, things that we'll look at next week. So accent on the letter to Rome. We'll look at the other letters uh, next week as well. Thank you.